0: Welcome to the Bluegrass Podcast. Thank you for stopping by once again. Today, we have a very special guest. We are excited and lucky to have him here with us. He's the first black nominee for Senate from the Kentucky Democratic Party, and he founded the Hood to the Holler organization after his last race for Senate. Again, excited and delighted to have him on here to talk cannabis with us, Representative Charles Booker from Kentucky.
1: She said, now I'm redheaded.
0: Condulation portal
1: revolving around the sun. I know I'm here and admit love
0: everyone. Good morning, Representative Booker.
1: Good morning. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Just a Another day in the fight. I appreciate the chance to connect with you all. And thank you for understanding a little had a slight delay. We just came in from a farmer's market. So we're out and about. Hey, I'm all
0: about it. Every farmer's market you get the chance to go to support small farmers. Yep. Absolutely. And congratulations on your recent win. So to start out, would you maybe like to explain to some of my listeners who aren't from Kentucky? why you're running for Senate and a little
1: bit about who you are. Absolutely honored to. Um, So uh, my name is Charles Booker. I am former state representative here in Kentucky, and I'm running for United States Senate, uh, quite honestly, uh, for my survival. Um, I don't come from politics. Uh, I stumbled into this. You know, I, I, I believe we all have a purpose, that there are no mistakes, but I never thought I'd do anything like this. And Uh, Growing up in the the West End of Louisville, um, an area that um, is really filled with generational poverty, a lot of the structural challenges that um, we see in a lot of places across Kentucky have really just been concentrated in the West End. Uh, But there's also a lot of strength, um, a lot of love and a sense of family and faith and resolve. Mm -hmm. And all of that really made me who I am. Um, I come from a large family of one of over 70 grandkids, and um, I was taught the spirit of community at an early age because I didn't have a choice. Um, But it helped me to see the world outside of myself, you know, and what it means to uh, to be a part of something bigger and to be connected to others and to see their needs and their their dreams in addition to your own. And um, I decided to get involved in politics Uh, really, after pursuing law school, um, I've always been someone that wants to speak up for people who don't get heard. And um, I was told, well, you should be an attorney. So I decided I would be. And uh, when I went to law school, um, both my parents dropped out of high school, so I didn't have a support system to guide me along the way. So I sought out mentors. And I went through the phone book, calling every attorney, just asking, can I learn from them, pick their brain? Telling them why I'm doing this and uh, stumbled across a legislator. uh, And the only way I could meet with him to talk about law school was to go to the state capitol. And when I walked in the capitol building and sat in a committee meeting, I was like, what the F is going on in here? (laughs) It was like, it was an eye opening experience for me to see that, you know, there are people that talk about our lives, um, make decisions about our lives, but they don't see us. uh, They don't hear us. Um, And I've just been committed ever since to changing that and uh, serving in the state legislature and becoming the first Black Kentuckian in nearly 90 years to, um, well, the youngest um, Black Kentuckian in nearly 90 years was a privilege, but it was also a chance for me to understand how powerful coalitions can be, um, even in this time of, you know, division and dysfunction. And, you know, I'm running for U.S. Senate now because I understand that the structural issues that we face um, can only be resolved fully if we have leaders at the federal level who aren't trying to screw us and rob us and and hold us back or just abandon us altogether. And so I see this as a chance to um, not just beat a terrible politician, um, but really transform our politics and make democracy real and break down a lot of barriers that have kept Kentucky back for far too long. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, cannabis is a pretty complicated issue, as I'm sure you'll agree, but I think that we can agree step one is letting nonviolent offenders out of prison, especially because of the system that got them there.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I'm lifting up a vision that I call a Kentucky New Deal. Um, And this is, you know, my my belief that every single kentuckian every person deserves life freedom and prosperity um, that includes making sure we're not criminalizing uh poverty that we are not uh continuing this cycle of really throwing the people of kentucky away and in a lot of in a lot of ways the war on drugs the failed war on drugs um has been a weapon uh to do just that and criminalizing the plant um that not only has so much um, medicinal value, but just uh, so much economic value. Um, and honestly, understanding why it's even uh, being criminalized to begin with, which is all about big money. Um, you know, I do agree that decriminalizing is is an important first step. But um, in the state legislature, I was uh, a lead sponsor for legislation to legalize cannabis, um, as well as decriminalize, but also uh, Help led a bipartisan coalition for medicinal cannabis as well, because we're we're still trying to move down the field here in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And there is overwhelming bipartisan support um, for uh, legalization in Kentucky. Um, We just don't see or hear that from a lot of our political leaders.
0: Exactly. And I know that you have an organization called Hood to Holler. And is cannabis really a Hood to Holler question? Like you're talking about this bipartisan across Kentucky question?
1: Man, it is, it is. So um, hood to the holler and, and my message of bringing people together from the hood to the holler is really about lifting up our common bonds, you know, which is often through um, common struggles, um, you know, common dreams and aspirations. Because at the end of the day, the issues we face are not actually partisan. And we have so much in common, more that more than what would ever divide us. and um, cannabis is is a tremendous example of that. I mean, the way that it it has been criminalized to uh, disproportionately target and and really harm uh, lower income and more disadvantaged, marginalized communities across Kentucky. Um, the the fact that the opioid crisis, which has really ravaged communities in Eastern Kentucky, but also in in the hood where I'm from, um, mm-hmm. and understanding that if more people had access to cannabis uh, to address their their type of medical needs in that way, Um, you would would address so many of the problems with addiction, uh, so many of the health complications that have come from the opioid crisis, which was known to have a predatory and disruptive and destructive effect on our commonwealth and on our country, um, but they did it anyway. And so, you know, lifting up the stories that we have um and shining that light is what hood to the holler is all about and so we're doing a lot of organizing around uh, legalization and and the importance of um addressing this war on drugs and the war on the people of kentucky
0: and as a diabetic i know that you've talked a lot about the price of your insulin the price of something you need to survive i know that you can sympathize with medical patients who are in this position right now early in the industry where I would say that this, personally, the solution is home growth, putting the agency back in the hands of medical patients. But how would you make sure that people, as we legalize, don't get caught up into the system of pharmaceuticals that are trying to make a profit, like we're talking about, and really make sure that they have the medication they need?
1: That is, that's true, um, and that that's an important um, aspect that I believe when you come from those types of communities, when you come from the struggle, when you are familiar with those challenges, uh, you don't have blind spots to them, which is why I know my voice uh, will be important in the U.S. Senate, um, because you're right, with, with legalization um, or and with any opportunity for more resources, uh, those who um, are marginalized the most, those who are disenfranchised the most, um, those who have been blocked out the most, are still oftentimes left out or exploited in the process, even when something good is a, is 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 happening. And um, so we have to make sure that um, the folks on the ground are not blocked out, uh, one from the economic opportunity and from access. Um, and that really just requires intentionality and not having blind spots to that. Um, and so looking at the impact uh, of legislation that we pass to see how does it affect. On black and brown communities. How does it affect uh, lower income communities? And um, just being in tune with with that fact, I, I've I've pushed for um, legalization, pushing for that uh, that access in marginalized and underserved communities, but wow. also with restitution. And because wow. this is a tremendous economic opportunity for a lot of you know small family farms across Kentucky. Um, a lot of communities that have seen jobs leave and never come back. And we gotta make sure that they're able to benefit uh, from what we know will be uh, a boon once legalization takes place.
0: Exactly, and talking about, you know, providing support to underserved communities, one of the ways that we've seen that in other states is by supporting small farms, supporting caregivers, supporting yeah. people in the community who are most invested in serving their community, not just 15 licenses from people out of state who may or may not be invested in you. Absolutely. Um, in terms of home growth, though, would you support some sort of position at the federal level to allow people to have that agency and to ensure that they keep that access?
1: Um, I do support that. Um, I, I do, and um, I think, and as you mentioned, caregivers. Which, when I served in the legislature, but actually when I was a staffer too, um, I sat in in committee meetings and heard so many stories of you know people who were there for their loved ones, um, people who were battling various medical conditions and needed this access, and if they were able to, you know, have the agency. Uh, to grow themselves, and and you know we can have um, you know parameters in place to make sure people are are staying safe and and uh, you know taking the right protocols and precautions, but uh-huh. um, having that agency at home is is really important. And um, I, I look forward to working with you all to do that because I I know what this will mean for the people of Kentucky, and and I understand that a lot of the pushback. Um, over the years has really been connected to you know myths and just misunderstanding and and then also just the fear of um what does legalization mean and and a lot of that has been propaganda we've been given for a long time so i I respect the the concerns that uh folks have and i believe we can build a solution path forward
0: And we talked a little bit about the opioid crisis and the larger war on drugs that's happened. How do you see cannabis fitting into that larger conversation? Because we absolutely can agree, I'm sure, that the war on drugs has been an utter failure at every level. But how do we change how we operate then? What are the solutions that you envision at the federal level to take us out of where we are and into a place where we have a different relationship to drugs, however you envision that?
1: Well, you know, I, I think there's a broader conversation about how we criminalize drug use, mm-hmm. um, and and it also speaks to uh, my personal belief that healthcare is a human right, and if we see these issues as health crises, um, issues of addiction um, or abuse as health crises how do we help to get people the resources and support they need versus just criminalizing them um so that's like a bigger conversation um but in in terms of cannabis it, it certainly should not be uh, classified as schedule 1 like it it should not um be treated on, in the same vein as heroin now, like it mm-hmm. we need to understand um one the the lobbying effort that had been levy for years uh, to essentially uh, block out an industry that would help so many people. Um, And we need to rectify that. I mean, that's one important thing. But um, in terms of addressing the fact that so many communities like my own have been heavily criminalized and have since suffered uh, loss of economic opportunities, loss of ability to advance, take care of their families, This is why I pushed for greater uh, access to expungements. Um, I believe that census should be commuted for those who uh, were criminalized for drug use, uh, for cannabis use in particular. Um, And then that restitution needs to take place. And and that is a part of when I talk about reparations, it really is about um, these intentional and direct investments to ensure justice and accountability for communities. That have been harmed by uh, government action, and that is essentially at the heart of, you know, this this movement for for me for legalization is justice for uh, the people of Kentucky and for this country. And so, you know, I, I'm encouraged um, because there is a growing coalition um, at the federal level um, who realize, okay, you know, it's past time. Like we need to address this. Uh-huh. Um, And there's a growing bipartisan coalition at the state level that feels the same way. And if we win this Senate seat, when we win this Senate seat, we can expand the majority and really get a lot of this uh, urgently needed progress fast tracked. And so um, I'm working as hard as I can to make that happen.
0: And I think one of the things you mentioned as well with expungement, making sure that not just people are let out of prison, let out of jail, but that something that they never should have been criminalized in the first place for, doesn't follow them around. And exactly. years later, someone doesn't see that on their record and make an assumption or, you know, cause damage to their life
1: later on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm lifting up in my campaign, but just in my work as a Kentuckian, um, the need for healing um, and restitution and an end of poverty. And I see legalization and the broader work around this particular issue as a centerpiece in all of that. I mean, it it really does speak to a lot of the uh inequities in society from our healthcare system to economic opportunities to our justice system. And um and but then all the resources that uh could come from um cannabis, which you know we've seen it even just in hemp um mm-hmm. here in Kentucky. And so we we know the opportunity is is here um, to really advance our state and uh, we can't miss it. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you have any particular ideas about how to bring that reinvestment home in real terms? Because with a lot of legislation early on for cannabis, people have talked about point systems for licenses and things like that. But when it comes to the effect on the ground, we're really not seeing it in these states that there actually is that support after legalization do you have any ideas about how to make that real for people
1: yeah you know i i've i've been in the middle of several of those conversations too over the years and and your concern in that reality that that is true that how does it actually get down to to the ground how do we actually make sure that communities aren't left behind and blocked out and you know i i believe that we need to implement. This is part of me making saying that democracy needs to be real. We need communities that have been disproportionately impacted, uh, that have been, you know, sort of targeted uh, by the war on drugs and left behind, at the front of the conversation on what what do they need to be able to make investments? How do we create, you know, uh, grants and Uh, forgivable loan programs, how do we direct incentives? Um, How do we target monies at the local level to uh, communities? Maybe it's even in respect of land trusts, but uh, supporting targeted development in communities like my own in the West End, um, so that the resources get to the people most impacted, um, because what we cannot afford to allow is more development that happens at our expense um, that we don't get to benefit from economically because poverty is a generational thing in Kentucky. And so, I, I mean, I've I've had conversations about a, a point system as well. I mean, I, there are a lot of different ways to do it, but I, I ultimately believe in finding ways to get direct uh, financial resources into the hands of people in, in these communities. Um, and that's a that's a part of why I support universal basic income. Um, you know at the end of the day, how do we get the money to people um, to make the the types of investments to start their business to you know do the things they need to do? And so um, I would want to have a commission here in Kentucky of of residents and citizens and uh, people in these impacted communities uh, to help me go to Washington and fight for that because um, I'm not going to propose I have all the answers. Uh, I know what I'm going to be fighting for.
0: And I know that we got started a little late, so I don't want to bump your schedule, but I got two more quick questions. Out of curiosity, have you ever used cannabis or do you use cannabis at all?
1: Um, I I don't regularly use cannabis. Um, I I have before um, and I certainly have grown up around it um, throughout my childhood and and mm-hmm. my, by my family and people in my community, in college, and and I'll tell you, even elders that, um, you know, they've used it, and and it it wasn't, it wasn't something that anyone paid attention to, mm-hmm. um, you know, it it didn't stand out. It it wasn't something that led to problems or issues. Um, you know, it was just like my grandmother drinking a cup of coffee. You know, it and. Mm-hmm. And when you have seen it from this lens of just being another part of, you know, like the daily lived experience, um, you come to see it in a way that is not defined by all the stereotypes, you know, and and that's really important for me, too, because um, I see the humanity um, behind a lot of folks that have have used, but also the humanity behind people who've sold it um, that in communities that don't have economic opportunities um, that have that have been robbed of the chance to get licenses and start businesses. And, you know, I've seen so much business acumen um, and the ability to, you know, to, in, to market and sell. Uh, and it's like, well, wow, how do we create paths to wealth and opportunity in communities just like this? And that's why when you talk about legalization, you have to also talk about investments in communities that have been disproportionately impacted so mm.
0: and is the first time you ever used cannabis a story you can share or something for the mists of Time?
1: uh well well it, it, it isn't a special story uh, it was, uh in college um i i had been around it so you know i i knew the i knew the smell i've mm-hmm. i knew i knew when someone in my family was using and I mean it was just another part of the day. But no, I don't I don't really have a an exciting story to tell. Um
0: oh it doesn't but, have to be exciting. I'm just curious because people come into it from so many different areas. They're all interesting.
1: Yeah. Well well actually, you know, it's is a little interesting now I think about it, because um so my my first time using it was in college, but I grew up and um, a very, I would say sheltered, uh, but just very stern and very disciplinary and household, um, military style background um, from, from my parents, uh, my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, there was no child around us that, in, which is important to share as well, that folks in the community um, are not looking to abuse um, cannabis. Like they, they knew to keep to make sure children didn't didn't partake. They they made sure to keep it away from, uh, you know, from us. And so I didn't even have the chance to be exposed to it directly until college. And so um, that was a chance for me to sort of step out on my own as an adult and find my my own voice and chart new paths in my journey. And so, um, I said I've I've tried it a couple of times. I don't smoke in general. Um, It's just not my preference. And then after becoming a diabetic, um, like I just have to be careful in general uh, with, you know, because I I love to drink some bourbon, but I try to, I got to keep it limited too. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely appreciate, you know, and respect those who do use. And I know all of the many values medicinal as well. So uh, I'm proud to support legalization.
0: And how can people find out more about your campaign?
1: Um, Please, please spread the word. Um, Our campaign is working to bring people together. You can go to charlesbooker.org to support us, contribute, volunteer. Uh, Follow me on social media at Booker, the number 4KY. We are building a movement for our future.
0: Representative Booker, thank you so much for taking the time out of the day, especially about a topic like this that a lot of people shy away from.
1: I very much appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate the chance. Thank you, brother.
0: Thank you so much for stopping by this episode of the Bluegrass Podcast. Firstly, if you live in an area where cannabis prohibition exists, like Kentucky, go to bluegrasscannabis.com where we have templates you can print and send to your local representative. Every time you let them know cannabis is important to you, in particular home-grow and open-craft cannabis licensing, the more likely it is for good cannabis legislation to be written. If you're looking for our intro song, it's Redheaded Galactic by Sharita Perez, link in the description. If you want to support this podcast, consider donating to our Patreon. It's only a dollar a month and you can get access to exclusive merch like stickers, bonus content and posts, as well as help keep our mic on. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Twitter is at BluegrassCanna, our TikTok is at BluegrassCannabis, and our Instagram is Bluegrass underscore Cannabis. If you have a business, interview request, or want to get in touch, feel free to email bluegrasscannabisbusiness at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Bluegrass Podcast. Putting the grass back in the bluegrass.